You're listening to AccidentalMuslims.com. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is Nazir Jamal and welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com from the east coast of South Africa in sunny Durban. AccidentalMuslim.com is a platform and a movement that we showcase present and future leaders to help us live with purpose. We hope to add value to your life, so listen up and enjoy. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to AccidentalMuslims.com, Durban. I'm a guest host for today and I'm Sumeri Jamal. And joining me on today's interview, we have Sister Fatima Asman. Sister Fatima Asman was born and brought up in Johannesburg and later moved into sunny Durban. She is a wife as well as a mum to four beautiful children. Nabiha, 11 years old, Zafar, who's six, Zayan, who's four, and Rayan, who's just 22 months. She has a LLB degree from the Rand Afrikaans University, and uh, she's also a conveyancer. But uh, Sister Fatima Asman is also a qualified baby love, baby sleep consultant. And um, inshallah, we're going to be chatting to her today to find out a bit more about her life journey as well as being a baby love consultant. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome uh, to AccidentalMuslims.com and Jazakallah for joining us. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah so much for this, uh, Sumeya. I'm really looking forward to it. So getting straight into it, could you tell us a little bit more about your childhood and family life, you know, being in Johannesburg? Yeah, I was born and brought up in Fordsburg, the heart of Johannesburg. I'm uh, the youngest of five siblings. The spoiled one, definitely. <laughs> Grew up there, loved there my whole life, um, and you know, did my schooling, my career there, until you know, I found the right person, and Alhamdulillah, got married, and we moved to Durban thereafter. You've studied an LLB degree at the, the Rand University, Rand Afrikaans University. So why law? What was the inspiration behind this? Okay, so being the youngest, I was always one to try to solve things and to find out why this is happening and why that's happening and always looked forward to helping people out and finding right. you know getting justice for what was wrong and you know my aunt as well told me the one day that the way you argue you just you know you're going to make a good lawyer and it intrigued me you know to know what mm-hmm. I can do for others and how to help them so in that it just became a passion and I enjoyed studied it, uh, studying it so it was something that I really wanted to do even though my dad wanted me to become a doctor, um, <laughs> blood just freaked me out. And I just felt this was good for my personality. It's wonderful. I think all dads have this uh, dream of their kids becoming doctors. But always, you know, look for the different, I feel, career options. There's so many that we can choose from. And I'm sure law was very interesting to study. Oh, it was very interesting. I loved, you know, the, the contracts, the, the criminal law, you know, things that, you know, these things just intrigued me. Finding solutions to problems, um, proving that someone is right. I just love these things. So you were married at the age of 23 and alhamdulillah within the first year of marriage you were pregnant with your daughter Nabiha. How could you describe this journey being just, you know, 24 and pregnant and having a new family to deal with? Okay, the joys of being a youngest child um, helped me to, ha- uh, to look after my nieces and nephews. So I brought them up, I used to take care of them, babysit them. So I did all of this. So when I fell pregnant with my first one, it was an exciting journey. I promise you, my hus- husband fulfilled every requirement, every craving. It was amazing. So when she came, it was, you know, I already knew what it was like having 
um, a little being in your home. Mm -hmm. So it was an amazing journey with lots of difficulty along the way, I won't lie, but Alhamdulillah, Yonachu was born beautiful, normal, healthy. So one of the most difficult tasks of, you know, being a mother is understanding a child's needs and developing a routine. So you were faced with many similar uh, challenges. So what was your coping mechanism? Okay, the important thing to remember is that, you know what, when I had Nabiha, a lot of my friends and family told me, oh, it's a beautiful experience being a mom. It's amazing. It's, you know, you know, the feelings were just, it, it's unimaginable. But mm-hmm. when she came and when she was born, um, it, for the first six weeks, yes, alhamdulillah, it was amazing. After the six weeks had gone by, it was difficult. She was very dependent on the breast. I was told, you know, breastfeed on demand, continue just going with the flow. When she needs you, you just make sure that you're there. It became really difficult. We, we started with sleepless nights. She would not go to anyone but myself or my husband. So the journey thereafter became quite difficult because I did not know where to go, who to turn to. Every person I went to said, you know, that's part of motherhood. Um, you know, you just need to do what you need to do to get through it. So it, there were a lot of challenges, especially in that first year of having her. So you are a baby love consultant, so could you tell us a little bit more about that? Okay, so baby love came about after I had Nabiha. From six weeks to the age of 11 months, she was very dependent on me. There was no routine. It was breastfeed on demand. She was co-sleeping. I was sleep deprived. My husband was sleep deprived. She just... You know, she also was very dependent on me. Until we got to a, a class that I used to take her for when she was small, where a mom was talking to us about a program called Baby Love, where you do a routine for a child, but you leave them to cry and it's horrible, but you do get results. So when I heard this, I went home and I told my husband, that, look, we are very sleep deprived. I was going through postnatal depression at that mm-hmm. time. I had no identity from being an independent person, having my law degree, working. And now I'm a mom who's sitting at home with my newborn, not knowing where to go and what to do and no one understanding how to help me. This program just clicked. And even though I heard negative views about it, I said, you know, it's something that's going to give me help. So in that, I found the person that could help me, a consultant here in KZN. We called her home. We explained to our situation and we started the sleep training on her. So we implemented the sleep training. It was difficult, I won't lie. It was heartbreaking. But I promise you that a child has stopped sleeping from six weeks up till 11 months. We got her to sleep throughout the night by the third night of the program. And this is where I felt that, okay, I have my law degree, which is fulfilling, but this is much more fulfilling than anything else because I could give parents a chance to be happy and normal and Mm -hmm. sleep again. What more could anyone ask for? And this is where baby love developed. It, It was because of her sleepless nights and the will of Allah and the support of my husband that we that I went in this path of deciding to become a baby love consultant and you know you mentioned something that you were sleep deprived you and, and your husband but also another important factor here is that um, when parents have newborn babies I think the time between themselves the husband and wife get uh, compromised so did you feel that as well yes definitely because before she was born it was just the two of us we would just pick up and go for dinner or for you know go for an outing mm-hmm. it was just the two of us and then when she came we couldn't I couldn't even go grocery shopping without waiting for him to come home and say okay you know you need to look after or cook when I used to cook she used to be stuck onto me and you know I used to always laugh at my husband and say you know I married you for you and not to focus our lives only on our children because mm-hmm. when they grown up and they move on with their life I'm not going to sit here and look at you and say who are you and where did you come from I want to know that we still have that bond we had when we got married so we did we lost a lot of our time and that's what also pushed me to postnatal depression is because we lost each other um, we, we weren't communicating much and it was all about her 
And I think when you have a newborn baby, it's a it's a, it's another special bond created between both husband and wife. And I think you want that to be very special. And like you said, you don't want to lose it at all. But moving on to the next question is that many myths, I think, in old wives' tales say that the baby must just uh, can just fall into a routine, and the newborn baby uh, really don't have routine. So you can't force them into a routine. They'll just fall into it, and everything will work out. So from what age can sleep training be implemented? Okay, sleep training can be implemented from newborn provided that the baby is 100% healthy that there's no colic reflux jaundice when baby comes from the hospital and, and the doctor is given 100% clearance that the baby's fine mm-hmm. you can start it immediately um, so that's important to remember we were also told the same thing that eventually should get into a routine but the thing is some kids um, when their babies are born some of them don't fall into the routine automatically a lot of them have to be trained and this is what happened with her as well is that we assumed she would get into a routine but we got so comfortable in whatever else was going on and so used to that that nothing else mattered and she was you know the most important person at that time so the myth about you know babies getting into the routine it happens at times but sometimes it doesn't. I always laugh and I say, oh, oh, baby was not born with a turn on and turn off switch. <laughs> so, you know, unfortunately, there are some kids that need help and there are, alhamdulillah, other kids that just go into the routine on, on their own. You mentioned colic and reflux and if they have those, would you be able to help? Um, can the sleep training still be implemented even though they have colic or reflux? It can be implemented provided that they are on the right medication and the medication right. is working. So if the medication is working, they don't have major problems. Yes, we can do the sleep training, sometimes not full out sleep training, but we can do most of it to help the baby into a good routine. And I think that's that's wonderful because many people, you know, feel very despondent that they're first time mums, they don't know where to go, what to turn to. So this is a good uh, start for them. Could you run us uh, perhaps through some sleep training techniques? Okay, the important thing to remember is that you need to first look at the age of your baby. If you are applying right. a certain routine to a newborn and then you try to apply the same routine to a six month old, it will never work. Okay? okay, so the first thing you need to look at the age of the baby. Secondly, you need to make sure that the baby is 100% healthy. Okay. Then you need to make sure that the home is a loving and caring environment. Now, important to remember this, that in our program, we always stipulate our moms and dads. You have to be loving. It has to be a warmth environment. You know, everyone has to be happy for you mm-hmm. to be doing this. The other thing is that signs. You have to watch out for baby signs to see when they are tired. Do not look at the child and say, okay, if they are crying, you need to listen to the cries, which is very important. So you need to say, did I feed my baby? Yes, baby's been fed. Did I change my baby? Yes, baby's changed. Let me see how tired my baby is. Did my baby yawn or not? Okay, my baby yawned. So let me take the next step. Maybe my baby needs to sleep. We say set the stage for sleep. So we don't just say go and put baby down into the cot, leave the baby and walk out. There's time to spend with your child, a bit of quiet time, um, talking to the child, sitting and just having that five minute bond with baby before baby goes down to sleep. Make sure it's a calm environment, um, you know, that also you need to, we talk about the dark and light, that mm-hmm. you can't expect baby to know, okay, it's light time, it's time to be awake and it's dark, dark time to be, to be uh, you know, to go to sleep. Right. So the environment must be a nice, dark, calm environment. We talk about having music in the background, some sort of noise in the background, and just making sure that baby is has been fed properly and baby's comfortable. So there are steps that these are simple steps that you can follow and look out for as well. 
spicy. So like you said, it's also depending on the age. Exactly. So you can't, like you mentioned, implement something for a six-month-old, um, you know, for a newborn baby. It's not going to work that way. So you have to also take that into consideration and your baby's health at the, at the time. Exactly. So you have to make sure the baby's 100% healthy. Um, like for a newborn, for example, can only stay awake for, for about 45 minutes to an hour because right. they're so tiny. When you get to like three months, they can't stay awake longer. And the older they get, they can't stay awake longer. So you need to look at baby okay. to see what baby needs uh, at the next stage. So I'm sure you've got some great results with baby love. Would you like to share some testimonials with us? Okay, we did get some great results. Uh, first, I can share my own. I've got four, uh-huh. alhamdulillah, and all my all four of my angels have been sleep trained. I won't lie to you. Uh, none of them were born with a routine. Um, from my eldest, Nabiha, to my youngest, Rayan. Um, they all have been sleep trained, sleep trained differently, but they're all well and healthy. They are, you know, if I can pinpoint names, it would be a bit difficult right now. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I've had moms coming from children not sleeping at all to sleeping within three days. I've had toddlers, um, you know, um, for two years. Parents will come and say that, no, there's no time. They've never slept for two years. Try the program within two nights. I say, you know, they've got gotten mm-hmm. results. So there's a lot of people out there that have done it. I mean, if you go on and you check look at the baby love website anything like that you see a lot of testimonials those are all truth um, testimonials and people that have tried it but from my own personal uh, point i've done it on all four of my kids so that for me um, is the greatest thing so overstimulation is now another struggle that parents are faced with on a daily basis so how can this be avoided or could you perhaps you know suggest some alternate uh, activities that won't leave the children overstimulated or understimulated? I think that balance is very important. Yes, that is. Okay, so with overstimulation always gets confused with colic. So it's important right. to remember, for example, I would use a newborn. As I said, a newborn can only stay awake for a maximum an hour. If you push a newborn later, you'll notice that a newborn starts getting very restless. So okay. you look at signs. Do you look at you look at the baby's body movements, yawning, rubbing the eyes, scratching the head, clenching the fist, arching the body, or some children end up becoming like hyper, uh, um, like Duracell bunnies, hyperactive and wired. So they okay. go like happy, they cry a bit, and before you know it, they're running up and down. So those are signs of overstimulation. Right. So it's important to remember that the moment you see that, like for example, a newborn, after 45 minutes, you're noticing that your newborn is a bit tired, yawning, restless, not interested in what's going on around. That is the first time to say, okay, now it's time to make my baby sleep. Mm-hmm. If you push beyond that, baby becomes overstimulated. And that's where the rocking and the patting and everything comes about. So it's important to remember that with the age of the baby, try and limit TV time before bed. Make sure, as I said, it must be a calm environment, giving that mom and baby time to bond and calm baby down before time, trying to, you know, to sleep. With being understimulated, it that it doesn't necessarily have a major impact because normally with babies in their awake time, they would do everything possible that their body would allow them to do. So the most important thing is that at least 15 minutes before nap time or bedtime, try and limit all stimulation, try and limit all these gadgets, jumping around or too much of activity, and just make sure that you start calming the environment to make sure the baby is not overstimulated, that you're actually de-stressing baby to get baby to sleep. Mention the gadgets. So, you know, like now in this new age with all this technology, um, iPads, cell phones, games on that, I think, does that then lead to overstimulation? No, definitely does. I've noticed with my ones, and I'll be very honest with you because, you know, from a personal point, with my youngest, my 22-month-old, if he, if we need to change him to get uh, to put uh, to get ready for bed, mm-hmm. um, he wants to watch his nasheeds on on YouTube. 
Um, and then we notice that once that has happened and we put him down, he's so, wind, he's so wound up that he can't get to sleep. So it takes him a longer time to get him to, to sleep. sleep. So yeah. we've limited that and we've taken that away and said, okay, no, only during awake time. So these gadgets, yes, you know, it causes a major overstimulation in our baby's brains because it takes about half an hour. After you've watched the gadget, it takes at least half an hour before your mind actually starts shutting down. Wow. So a lot of the time parents mm-hmm. would say, oh, my child was watching TV, then I put my child to sleep. That's not what you need to do. What you should rather do is sit with the book, read a story, um, uh, you know, sing a little few songs with them, uh, color with them. So anything that would cal- uh, calm them calm. down and not mm-hmm. overstimulate them, that would be the best thing to do before bedtime as well as nap time. Plus it gives mom and or the parents and the child bonding time. If you're sitting in front of a gadget, no one is bonding. There's no family time, there's no love. There's just like, okay, watch gadget and go to sleep. And it becomes upsetting for everyone. So what are the sunnah ways of baby care? The most important thing is to make sure that baby is healthy, that you love your baby, spend time with them, quality time, you know, that quality time between parents and the child helps the child to develop. You know, read together, read your kalimas together, um, read your namazas together, teach your child what's right and what's wrong. Um, You know, giving them the manners, the akhlaq, all of this is very important. So with a routine, mm-hmm. all of this comes into play because the baby will know, okay, as they grow up, that when we come home, we make salam. When we sit on a table, we read our musnoon duas. When we get up together and we go and pray, you know, we pray together. So routine is very important and children thrive on routine. So having a routine would help a child to realize, okay, so if I do all of this as my parents are doing, mm-hmm. this is the best way to grow up. So it's important to remember, manners, akhlaq, all of this brings up a child. It's the foundation at the end of the day. Do you know you mentioned bonding time with your child? So maybe you know we should try and, like you said, minimize the time on the gadgets and spend time with them, reading Islamic books perhaps, and you know telling them stories of the Sahaba and things like that. That's very true because in our home, what we do is um, after supper, you know, we have supper before Maghreb because it's mm-hmm. just always nice to do that. We read out the Maghreb, we get our kids ready for bed. It's always a story together, the kalimas, aisle kursi, blow on them, and then they go to sleep. And it's so important because they all, we all sit together as a family. And in right. our baby love program, we, mm-hmm. we implement this. We say this is so vitally important that before bedtime, family quality time is vitally important because if you spend that time, it makes a child feel happier that they can go to sleep much better. Remember this. The more love in your environment, the easier for your baby to go to sleep, for your child to go to sleep. Okay. If you tell your child, go to sleep now, mm-hmm. that's the way it is, there's nothing more, uh, I don't want to have anything to do with you, I'm tired, your child's going to come back, scream, cry, everyone's going to get upset, and it's going to be disastrous. So the more love there is, the more nurturing there is, it's easier to get your children to sleep because they are happier to go to sleep. And then they wake up happier. So that's mm-hmm. what you want to create at the end of the day. So yes, in our home, it's vitally important that that precious time before bed. Sometimes, yes, I don't get to do it for my kids, but my daughter, Nabiha, alhamdulillah, she's 11. She loves reading to her three brothers. She sits with them. She reads with them. She reads kalimas for them. And they all go to sleep thereafter. So if I'm busy or if the dad is out, then she takes over the responsibilities. 
that's important also that the kids are to bed at a specific time because then you have that time with your husband, that bonding time, which is important as well. Alhamdulillah, yes, that is very important. Um, my dad, when he phones, he laughs. He says, um, your house is quiet. He phones just after seven. He says, yeah. your house is very quiet. I said, yes, they all go to sleep. <laughs> um, he says, don't you miss them? I said, no, I do. But you know, it's, it's nice and quiet time. And mm-hmm. as I said, this is vitally important. When we do the program and the routine for moms and dads, we say that, Quiet time in the evening is very important. My youngest sleeps at half past six. There's no rocking or patting. He goes to in his cot. He has his blanket. My other other two boys, they go into their room with their. I'm sorry, but they still have their blankets up to today. <laughs> so it's something I can't get rid of. But Alhamdulillah, they love it. They go to bed by seven, and then now we have by latest eight o'clock. She's in bed, and I promise you, it gives us time. Mahabi um, comes home, we have time together. He can go study or do whatever he needs to. I get time by myself, mm-hmm. and we actually get time to sit and have a cup of tea just before bed, so we can discuss what's going on. And routine in our house is very important, and my kids know that. What's so nice that Monday to Friday we have a routine. Everyone knows their times. Come the weekend, we allow flexibility. So it's important to remember this, that routine works well when there's flexibility. We're not saying do routine for the rest of your life and become Mm -hmm. frustrated. You do a routine during the week, and when weekends come, you have flexibility. You go to Ma's house, you go to Nani's house, you get rocked to sleep there, you get fed (laughs) extra, you get extra playtime. But alhamdulillah, when they do come home, they know, okay, this is routine because routine works well in our home. And it gives us time. I'm happy because we sleep, they are sleeping, there's no disturbances at night. But when we all wake up in the morning, we all are happy to, to be together, together. and, and yeah. to, to get through our day together as well. Um, another thing that I just picked up on was that the manner in which they fall off to sleep, will that then be the manner in which they wake up? So they went to sleep um, very upset and they were crying. And will they then wake up with that same sort of notion of being upset? Yes, that it does work, G. So what happens is that if you send a baby to sleep or child to sleep upset, what happens it affects them at night so they do wake up in the middle of the night they'll wake up crying they'll end up with a nightmare a night terror they'll be restless the whole night and when they wake up they'll be unhappy because they hardly slept throughout the night because their brain was in continuous Mm -hmm. motion so remember the way you go to sleep is the way you are going to wake up in the morning because all of that that has happened before you went to sleep it will affect you throughout the night so i always say this when you put your babies to sleep make sure it's a happy environment and when they wake up in the morning they are happy as well and you are happy so it's very important um, to make sure that everyone is quite content so like adults i've seen many toddlers have these temper tantrums and this can be quite draining on parents especially if they're out somewhere and their toddler decides to act up so how can parents then deal with this okay this i've experienced this with all four trust me it starts at two and it doesn't end <laughs> i'm joking but it's important to remember this that toddlers when they throw tantrums is that they want something right. so you always look at the situation what do do they want it or do they need it now i always say that when i take my kids out shopping and if they if they need if they want something i always look at how big or small it is and then i give in to it only if they deserve it um other than that they will throw their tantrum if it's a tantrum and you know it's they demanding what i do is i tell my moms and dads walk away from the situation they want your reaction okay so you know give you an environment I've experienced it at a shopping mall. I've seen them throw tantrums. I've walked away and I told them that mom is going to the next hour. When you are ready after your tantrum, you'll find me there. They would get up, 
see nobody's giving them attention and they would just follow you. So the first thing would be is that you either just ignore them and you move on, depending on how right. serious it is. If it is really serious and you know it's not going to end, the other option is just take them, leave your shopping, walk out of the mall, go home and then do your shopping on another day. Um, so you look at, the, at what's going on and I always tell my parents, even at home too, I mean I have my 22 month old who also just throw his tantrums and you just look at him, you okay, walk away and just tell them where you are. So you just have to assess the situation. Do not give in to temper tantrums because the moment you give in to them, that's it. They know that every time they throw a tantrum, they're going to get what they want. The most important thing about growing up, you know, in a healthy environment is to give in to the needs. Make sure that you give in to the needs because that creates a sense of security. By giving in to the wants and tempers all the time, you're going you're gonna to end up growing up with, I always want this and I'm going to get it no matter what. And the important thing is that always mm. make sure that your child realizes that if you have worked for it, if you deserve it, yes, you will get it. If you need it, I will give it to you. But if you want it, you can't just demand. You have to do a certain amount of things to be able to get what you deserve. So honestly, I would say that look at the situation. If it's an extreme one, go home. If it's not, <laughs> just move on. <laughs> so parents often scare away from traveling with children simply because of, you know, the unsettling of routine. And um, so firstly, how can, you know, the sleep routine or the routine of their usual life still be followed while on holiday or while traveling? And if you could share with us your five travel tips, top five travel tips. Okay. I've traveled with mine. Four of them, I think last year was the first, um, <laughs> with my small one being very young. It's not easy, okay? It does get a bit frustrating, but remember something that husband and wife, if you work together as a team, and alhamdulillah, my husband is my support, and if you work together as a team, you'll be able to make sure that your holiday is as, you know, as good as it can be. I always tell my parents as well, that when you're on holiday, break rules um, you know, which is okay. So in your daily life, you have your right. routine. When you're on holiday, if um, you needed to share a room with baby, that's fine. If you had to help baby to sleep, that's fine. Um, if baby missed a nap, it's okay. Just try and do what you do at home. So we talk about setting the stage for sleep in our program. So in on holiday, you try and do that. If not, it's okay. If baby misses a nap, it's okay. Do what is comfortable for everyone and what baby needs. So if you follow baby's needs, you'll be able to know exactly what you need to give into at that time. So just make your holidays as fun and exciting. Let everything go and just do what you need to do. That's important. I mean, with my kids, I mean, when we mm -hmm. go away, even if they needed that extra sweet or that extra bottle just to make them sleep or holding my one to fall off to sleep because he needed that extra one, even though he doesn't need it at home, I will do it. I'll break all rules just to make sure everyone's healthy and happy. And as I said, with husband and wife being each other's support, you'll be able to get through it. That's how I get through. We get through our holidays. You know, my husband and I always mm -hmm. do 50-50. The five top tips when you're going on holiday. Make sure that if it's a, a drive, that everyone is comfortable. You've got enough snacks for the way. Okay. You make a few pit stops, even if it's three or four pit, pit stops. Um, and, you know, making sure that everyone's had the toilet break, that you have little toys for the kids. Coloring okay. books, mm -hmm. if they like puzzles. Um, yes, we do put gadgets on in the car because it keeps our children <laughs> from screaming. Um, and um, the most important thing for me is that if your child is sleeping, just drive straight through. <laughs> but remember, just make your trips um, as easy as possible. You know, your snacks, your breaks, and just give yourself at least a two hours extra traveling time to know that everyone's healthy and comfortable. And I think, you know, the whole thing about traveling is that it's meant to be fun. And it's meant to be something that's, you know, uh, it's a holiday, it's a breakaway 
away from routine so you don't want it to be too you don't want to be too strict like you said and you want to enjoy the trip and enjoy the ride especially with family it's bonding time and it's time for you to just also relax and kick down a bit yes that's so true because you know what it does you know you won't even want to travel at all if, yeah. if you're going to be very stressed out and this is what's so beautiful about having the routine he said we have a routine we go out we break all rules we come back and our kids automatically know what routine is when they are home and they love the break in their routine and you notice in a lot of parents who stress when they go on routine they realize the children aren't that bad that they actually just <laughs> go with the flow so as a parent remember your um, your feelings passes on to your children the way you feel. So on holiday, just be positive, be happy, and I promise you, your children will be very positive and happy. If you go with the flow and you let things be, they will allow it to be as well. So you just have to be happy and think positive. That's the most important thing. So how do you manage with four children, a house to run, a husband to see to, your law, as well as being a baby love consultant? And now that you mentioned to me that you also do orders for cakes and biscuits and desserts, how do you manage to do all of this? Yeah, Alhamdulillah, I think with the will of Allah and the support of my husband, uh-huh. um, I wouldn't be doing what I do today. My husband is my biggest and was, and will always be my biggest support. He takes over responsibilities when he gets home with the kids. I mean, he'll feed them, he'll bath them, he'll change them, put them to bed. You know, mm-hmm. He does a lot for me. So his support is what's gotten me through, as well as family. I mean, I have my parents that have moved from Joburg to Durban, so their support is, is, is also there. My in-laws as well. So, you know, my support structure is my family, um, and that's what makes it easier. My 11-year-old daughter does a lot as well for her brother, so if she knows I'm busy, she will also do feed, bath, everything that she can do. Um, so support is there. And Alhamdulillah, I think with Allah as well, you know, Allah has made all of this very possible. Baby Love came into my into my way because he made it possible. He blessed me with a beautiful daughter, and if it wasn't for her sleep deprivation, it would not have led me to do Baby Love and everything else. And you know what? Everything's done from home. So I juggle it during my in the mornings before the kids uh, come back from school, in the evenings when they go on to sleep. And because we have a routine in our lives, alhamdulillah, that's why we, we manage to do whatever comes. So that's how I manage, you know, it's, it's support and, and through the will of Allah. You're definitely support woman. <laughs> we all have our good days and bad days. <laughs> that's true also. So what Quranic ayah inspires you the most? You know, I was thinking about this. Definitely idol kursi. Aisal Kursi has protected us mm-hmm. and you know my kids if they do not go to sleep without reading Aisal Kursi and blowing on them they don't really know it's Aisal Kursi my six-year-old is actually just starting to learn it but they know there's a dua that we read they remember the words and if you blow on them they sleep peacefully and I've seen it with all my kids um, the moment you read that on them you blow on them they go to sleep with a smile. If I do not read that, or my daughter does not read that, or husband does not read that for them, they wake up 10 times and say, Mommy, you did not read for us, you did not blow on us, and now we're not going to sleep. So Aital Kursi has always been something for my family. That's very beautiful, mashallah. And uh, last but not least, is which, which female the Sahabia is your favorite, and why? Um, Khadija, anha, because, you know, of being... A widow for so many years and then mm-hmm. looking at the prophet and just knowing that his his qualities and his personality and the person that he actually was and you know whatever she came from I mean she had wealth but she gave all of that up for him she believed in him and you know that 
is she is my inspiration as well because when we get married it's the same thing um or it's similar on, on on those parts because we leave our homes we leave everything that we grew up with to come into our home and make our lives work you know and it's all for the pleasure of Allah being a mother being a wife it's you give up a lot you sacrifice a lot but it's all for the pleasure of Allah and when I read her story it, it gives me that inspiration that I can be well, I can be the best that I can be. I mean, as you know, when I grew up, my father always said, you know, I give you everything in this home. But when you get married, don't always expect that from your husband because you need to help him. You need to help him, be, you know, build your foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever you're getting here is here. So when she got married to the prophet, it's, you know, she gave up a lot and she believed in him. And for me, that's what inspires me to try to be the best mother, wife, daughter, daughter, you know, or Muslim woman that I can be. You know, she's just an inspiration to me. Absolutely. And I think the ways in which she ran her business and ran her home at the same time, that's inspiration to all of us that we can still follow our dreams, but also still have this family life. And, you know, she had the greatest support of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And inshallah, we all are blessed with, you know, husbands who will support us and families who will be there as our backbone to support us always. That's so true. You know, I gave up a lot like you know I always say that I didn't give up a lot but I gave up being at home being the youngest being spoiled being independent you know being in a successful law firm but you know what at the end of the day alhamdulillah 12 years later being into this marriage I wouldn't change it for anything else you know we laughed my husband and I before we got married he said he wants two kids I said I want three but who knew Allah bless us with four beautiful kids and I wouldn't change them or him for anything because he's He's been my other mm-hmm. half, you know. He, Allah has blessed me, blessed my family with so much. Four beautiful kids, and you know what? I would not go back and sit in a law firm behind a desk. <laughs> um, I would rather do a bit of contracts from home or whatever. Right. But you know, all of this that I've got, at least I can be here with my kids, and you know that's what for me is fulfilling mm-hmm. more than anything else. So Alhamdulillah, you know, I, I can't thank Allah even more. You know, I'm so grateful to Him um, for everything that He has blessed my family and I with. Alhamdulillah, that's wonderful. This was the very exciting and interesting interview with Baby Love, Baby Sleep consultant, Sister Fatima Asman. Thank you for listening to AccidentalMuslims.com, Durban. Be sure to tune in for more podcasts coming soon. From me, Sumeri Al-Jamal, until I chat to you all again on another podcast, Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Shukran for listening. We hope we added value to your life and that you enjoyed this podcast. We hope our guest has helped you live your life with purpose. Don't forget to forward all suggestions and feedback to info at accidentalmuslims.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You're listening to accidentalmuslims.com.